encourage you to turn in your Bibles to the book of John chapter 11. John chapter 11. As you're turning to John chapter 11, allow me to quote from John chapter 5 uh, as you're turning uh, to John chapter 11. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation." Aren't you glad that uh, we are hard shells? You know, we've been called hard shells, but I think we're rather hard shells. We believe firmly in the shells of the Bible. And what God has promised and what God has said shall come to pass. We know that God is sovereign. We know that God has all authority. All power, all ability, that God is omniscient, that God is omnipresent, that He is the great and august and mighty God, without beginning and without end, who is and was and is to come, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the great I Am. He is God. And there is no other besides Him. And we could stop right there, and you may want me to, but we've got more to come. We've got more to talk about. And that is the wondrous work of God in this world and in your life. John chapter 11 tells us that there was a certain man who was sick, and this man is one that we are familiar with. His name is Lazarus. You all are familiar with the story of Lazarus. You're familiar with how that that Jesus went and raised Lazarus from the dead. So what I'm about to go over with you is not new to you, but I do hope that by revisiting this story, you can have your pure minds stirred up by way of remembrance, as Peter mentions to us that this can become fresh and new to you for today. And maybe we can glean a few of those wonderful truths out of God's Word that maybe we had forgotten in times past. A certain man was sick. His name was Lazarus. He lived in a place called Bethany. This was the same town of Mary and her sister Martha. Now, Lazarus is the brother of Mary and Martha. And as they are there together, their family is there at Bethany. And uh, and a time has come that is a time of concern in their life. Now, by the way, a parenthetical comment in verse 2, that this was the very same Mary which anointed the Lord with uh, ointment and wiped His feet with her hair, it is that very same Mary, and it is her brother, Lazarus, who at this time is sick. Now Jesus knew Mary, He knew Martha, He knew Lazarus. 
as we'll find out. And as you probably recall, this is someone, Lazarus, whom, whom Jesus had a close relationship, a special relationship with. And the Scripture says that it is someone whom Jesus loved. May I pause right here and interject that every person whom Jesus loves, Jesus has a special relationship with that person. So special is that relationship that, uh, that Jesus is willing and was willing to die for that person whom He has chosen to love. So special is that love that there is no way to be separated from that love. Romans chapter 8 says that uh, there is nothing that can separate us from the love which we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing in this life There is nothing that we go through. There is nothing that we have done or can do or will do that will separate us from the love that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. That that love is true and sure and not even death can separate us from the love that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that love lasts eternal. Now abideth these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love because that is God Himself. God is love. And you whom God has loved, whom Jesus has loved, whom Jesus has come by, Ezekiel chapter 16, and said, live. And He did so because His time with you was the time of love. You have a special relationship with Jesus Christ. And He has chosen you especially Not out of accident, but on purpose. He chose you. This is the relationship that Jesus had with Lazarus as well. And so his sisters sent unto Jesus. Mary and Martha sent a messenger to Jesus and said, uh, and this was the message, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. You know, if you hear about a loved one, who is sick. And in fact, as, as the message would have been, sick unto death. Sick and, and going to, and, and subject to, to dying at any moment. You would want, you might not could, but you would want to be there, if at all possible, to get there in time. Even if it was just to say one last goodbye, you would want to get there, if you love that person, really. When Jesus heard it, this is what He said. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That should be a comfort, right? This sickness is not unto death. Well, let me ask you a question this morning. Was Jesus wrong? Lazarus died, didn't He? We all know that Lazarus died. Was Jesus wrong? Did Jesus lie? Then what is the answer? Because Lazarus died. Right? So what is the answer? And we get a hint of the truth of this statement and the purpose. You know, it's wonderful to read and to study Scripture. I've been doing it for for years and and I've just scratched the surface. There's so much I don't know about the Scriptures. You know, Brother Steve and I over the last uh, 48 hours have had a wonderful time discussing some Scripture, you know, and and trying to delve into the meanings of the Scripture uh, even more so than we have in the time. And it's been a blessing to be able to get some of those nuggets. And, And yet we've only just scratched the surface, right? There's so much that we don't know. But I'll tell you, when I'm studying the Scriptures, when I'm reading, and particularly when I'm reading the words of Jesus, I try to understand the meaning behind the meaning of the words. What is Jesus communicating? Words have meaning. And I'm glad that words have meaning. That way we can communicate. But more so than what the words actually mean one by one, What is the message that is being communicated overall? 
And particularly when I'm reading the words of Jesus, I want to know what is his intent? What is the intention of Jesus in what he is communicating? Now, over the years, uh, you know, Brother Steve and I, we, we say, he said we've known each other for 37 years and, and I've been married for uh, 37 years as well. But not to Brother Steve. I do have a, a wife. Uh, I don't want anybody to worry about that. <laughs> but um, Brother Steve and I have been, been hanging out for 37 years and we've communicated over those years. You know, we, we talk about weekly and, and, uh, and there's been a lot of communication. But there's been times when Brother Steve and I have miscommunicated, when there's been a misunderstanding. Now, just so you know, I'm always right, he's always wrong, but that's a different story. But we want to understand what is being communicated. What is Jesus communicating and saying here? Let's read that again. This is the response of Jesus when he received the message that Lazarus, whom he loved, was sick and they thought he was going to die. This sickness is not unto death. Did Jesus know that Lazarus was going to die? I say yes, he did. I say that he knew Lazarus was going to die as we define that term in this world. He knew that Jesus was going to die. But what does it mean? This sickness is not unto death. His disciples uh, took that to mean that Lazarus was not going to die. But that's not what Jesus was saying. And we know that that's not what Jesus was saying because of what he says next. This sickness is not unto death, but... Now that word but, it it indicates that there is a, a comparison going on here. There's a comparison. There is sickness unto that, you know, is this sickness unto death? And I want you to remember that prepositional phrase, unto death. Is this sickness unto death? Or, comparison, after the word but, but for the glory of God. So we have this comparison. It's not unto death. That's one, one side, one way of looking at it. But rather, it is for the glory of God. This sickness is not for death's sake. This sickness is for the sake of glorifying God. Shall I put it this way? This sickness is not for the purpose of glorifying death, but rather for the purpose of glorifying God. Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to die, and he wasn't saying... That, G, that Lazarus was not going to die, but he was saying that this whole event that is unfolding is not for the purpose of glorifying death, but it is for the purpose of glorifying God Himself. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. So we glorify this death, this event is going to glorify God and therefore by transition and by reflection it is going to glorify the Son of God as well. So this is the purpose of all of this. This lays the foundation. This this understanding what Jesus says right here will help us to understand everything else that is about to follow in this event. Are you with me? Somebody say amen. Amen. Let's see if these microphones are on. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Okay, we've got that established. When he had heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, instead of rushing to the side of Lazarus, Jesus waits two days. Now, he waits two days. Where Jesus was, compared to where Lazarus lay sick in Bethany, was about a day's journey. Okay? Jesus waits two days, and when he gets there, what does he find? He finds Lazarus is dead. And how long has Lazarus been dead? Somebody's got to remember your scripture. You can yell it out. 
You know I'm not scared. Don't make me start calling on y'all. Thank you. Four days. Four days Lazarus has been dead when Jesus gets there. Right? So a, a messenger comes from Bethany to Jesus. There's a day. He waits two days. And then he goes and he takes a day's journey to where Lazarus is in Bethany. That's four days. Now, I'm not very smart, but I do know that one plus two plus one equals four. Right? Now, I've got that, that much down pat. I can still do that without a calculator, too. Four days. You know what that tells me? It was right after the messenger left that Lazarus died. Right after he left that Lazarus died. So by the time that Jesus gets the message that Lazarus is sick, Lazarus is already dead. And what did Jesus say? This sickness is not unto death. But Lazarus is already dead, and Jesus knows that Lazarus is already dead, but He says this, this sickness is not unto death. So, when He had heard that He was sick, He abode two days still in the same place where He was. And after that, Jesus says to His disciples, let us go into Judea again. Now, not long before this event, Jesus was in Judea, and it, it didn't go well. They sought to kill Him. They wanted to, to, uh, to get rid of him. His life was on the line. He was a wanted man. There was a price on his head. And as you know, this continued throughout his entire ministry. Jesus did not have an easy time of it. And he, but he says, okay, let's go into Judea again. And his, master, I mean, his disciples say to him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And if I may put it in my words, why would you want to go there again? Why would you want to go there? They just were trying to kill you. You were in Judea real recently, and they wanted to kill you. Why would you want to go there again? Well, that makes sense to us, right? I mean, if you go somewhere and they, they're trying to kill you, you're not apt to go there again. I mean, I don't even like to go where people don't like me much less where people are trying to kill me, right? And why would I go there again? In fact, I'm not too fond of places where I go and they don't laugh at me. Well, I mean laugh at my jokes, not at me personally, but you know. But Jesus said, let's go to Judea. And his disciples said, now wait a minute. Let's remind, let us remind you of the events. They tried to kill you there. And Jesus uh, answered, and I, I'm not going to go in depth in this answer of Jesus right here because that's really a side message. You ever heard of preachers, they, they get to running down rabbit holes? You know, I don't want to run down this rabbit hole, but here we go. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not because he seeth the light of this world. Uh, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there is no light in him. These things said he... And, and to them, so that was his answer. And I'm not going to go into, into depth, but he was basically saying unto them, look, I understand what's going on. Uh, I mean, after all, he is the light of the world, right? Uh, and, and so he understands what's going on. He knows they're going to just have to trust him because as he says later in, in other places, there's coming a time when he was going to go away and they wouldn't have him there uh, to explain things to him in this manner. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now you and I have the benefit of 2020 hindsight. By the way, aren't you glad that 2020 is hindsight now? <laughs> uh, and we have the benefit of knowing Lazarus is already dead. He's already dead. And Jesus says he's sleeping and I'll go to awake him out of sleep. Well, the disciples didn't understand that. They didn't understand Lazarus was already dead. They, they thought he was just asleep. And so their response to him, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. How many teenagers have you known to quote that verse to you? Get up and get your chores done. Well, the Bible says, if I sleep, I'll do well. 
For those of you with kids, I'm sorry. I don't have kids anymore, so I can say things like that and give them ammunition against you. Uh, yeah, and so, but, but Jesus knew that he wasn't just talking about sleep, but the disciples didn't. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking a rest in sleep. And Jesus knew that that's what they, they thought. They knew that there, he, Jesus knew there was a miscommunication going on here. And so he plainly tells them, Lazarus is dead. Now listen to what Jesus next says. This is an astounding statement that Jesus now says. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. What? Jesus. You love Mary, you love Martha, you love Lazarus. They're dear friends of yours. Lazarus has died. You got a message two days ago that Lazarus was sick and you chose not to go. And now what are you saying to me? You're saying he's dead and you're glad that you weren't there. How utterly, utterly crude that is. For Jesus to say such a thing. I mean, I'm glad I wasn't there. He doesn't just say that I'm glad I'm not there, right? He's glad. He says, what? <clears throat> I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. To the intent. Now, I told you just a moment ago, I always like to try to... to to delve deep enough to understand the, the motivation behind the message that Jesus gives. And here Jesus tells us outright what His motivation is, what His intent is. Now we know that God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Whatever is in your heart right now, whatever you're thinking and whatever you're feeling and whatever your motivation and, and such, while I'm speaking here this morning... God knows what it is. So even though that I don't know, y'all better straighten up because God knows. And I better too, because God knows mine as well. But to, to know the intent behind an action of Jesus, how much greater, how much richer is that for us to understand why Jesus is doing what he is doing. Not just what he is doing, but why he is doing what he is doing. 37 years plus I've been married to Lori. And over that 37 plus years, there have been times where she has come to me and she says, why did you do that? And being a good, solid man like I am, you know, well-educated and understanding so many different things, my answer has always been, I don't know. <laughs> and that's just the way us guys are. I'm sorry. But here we get to see why Jesus is doing what He's doing. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Did they not already believe? They were disciples of His. They had laid aside everything to follow after Him. Everything. Didn't they already believe? Jesus says, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to Him. Now, when we talk about belief in Scripture, we have to understand what we're talking about. There's all kinds of beliefs that we have. I think Mount Carmel here has articles of faith, if I'm not mistaken. You have articles of faith. And those articles of faith state a few points. You may have eight or nine or ten or twelve or whatever number you have in terms of those articles of faith. And they give a, a brief of some of the primary points about the beliefs of Mount Carmel. In other words, there's not just one. When we're talking about belief in Scripture, we have to understand believe what? Believe what? What are we talking about? Believing what? Well, we'll discover that as we go along here. Now Thomas speaks up. Thomas, which is called Didymus. 
Now you all remember Thomas, right? You're probably putting an adjective in front of his name even now, aren't you? And the adjective probably isn't brave. The adjective probably isn't strong. The adjective probably isn't full of faith. What is it? Doubting. Doubting Thomas. Well, Thomas had no doubt they were going to die. Because what does he say next? He says, let's go with him that we may die with him. Let's go ahead and go. Thomas had no doubt they were going to die. This was the end of it. Aren't you glad that Thomas was a disciple? That Thomas was one of the... Aren't you glad? Because how many times have you gone in your life to doubting? And, and, and when we go to doubting, we think, well, maybe I'm not worthy of Jesus. Jesus doesn't love me. And, and, you know, and I'm not an elect. But here, Thomas, whom you yourselves condemned, is doubting. And aren't you glad that God allows doubting disciples? Even John the Baptist doubted. At least once in his life. Thomas says, let's go with him. How long, oh my goodness, it's a quarter till. How long y'all want me to preach? Well, whew. Okay, let's keep going. Then when Jesus came, he found that, uh, that Lazarus had lain in the grave for four days already. And it tells us Bethany was close to Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. Uh, And so out of Jerusalem came uh, many Jews to Martha and Mary in order to comfort them concerning their brother. And that's nice. You know, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus must have been known in Jerusalem because they had people coming from Jerusalem to come comfort them. Okay, I'm going to keep on going there. Uh, And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. Now Martha, just to remind you, is uh, is the um, oh how shall I put this? She's the one who gets things done, right? She is the one who is structured. She is the one who keeps a list of things, a to-do list, right? And makes sure that they get checked off. She is the one who 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 puts the groceries on the list, right? She is the one who makes sure that you make your bed. Y'all do make your bed, don't you? Okay, all right. Don't lie now because we're in church. Uh, no, I'm just teasing with you. I know you do, but they, they, uh, G- that's Martha. And she wanted to go to Jesus and say, I'm holding you accountable because she's the one who holds people accountable, right? I'm holding you accountable. So Martha hears that Jesus is coming. She goes out to meet him. Mary is still sitting in the house. And Martha came to Jesus, remember, and you know, you remember Martha, she was the one who was up in, in the, doing stuff in the kitchen, and Mary was lounging around at the feet of Jesus, right? You know that story. Uh, Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. If you had have just been here, he wouldn't have died. Martha, say, Jesus, I blame you. It's your fault. That Lazarus is dead. If you had been here, it would have had a different outcome if you'd have only been here. Now, don't be too hard on Martha because how many times have we in our lives said, Lord, couldn't you have prevented this? Couldn't you have stopped this? Couldn't you have made the outcome different than what it was? Lord, you have all power, you have all knowledge, you have all wisdom, you have the ability, you understand what's going on. And Lord, you could have prevented this if you'd have wanted to, but evidently you didn't want to, God. How many times have we said something like that? So let's don't be too hard on Martha because we're all Marthas in some sense. But I know, Martha says, I know that even now... Whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus knows that she wants him to cause Lazarus to live again. She wants Jesus to ask God to bring Lazarus back to life again. 
How do we know that? Jesus immediately says, Thy brother shall rise again. Jesus knows the thoughts and intents of the heart uh, and mind of Martha, and He knows what she is really asking for, and that is asking for Him to bring Lazarus back to life again. Would you all do me a favor? If I ever die, I should probably say when I die. I mean, after all, I'm no Methuselah. When I die, please don't pray to bring me back to this place. I love y'all. I love Mount Carmel. I love Bethany over in San Antonio. But I don't love you that much. I love much more to be in heaven. Paul said, I'm in a straight betwixt two, whether to remain with you or to go to heaven. Right? I'm not in a straight. I love you, but I want to go to heaven. Don't pray me back here again. But that's what Martha wanted. She wanted Lazarus back again. Jesus says, Thy brother shall rise again. And she said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now you may have wondered why I started out in John chapter 5. John chapter 5, the verses that I read there, it, had, it talked about two separate things that were going on. The first part that I read there in John chapter 5 talks about when, when they hear the voice uh, of the Son of God that they shall live, right? And they, they, they're, they're going to live. The second one talks about they're going to raise up out of the grave. Martha here is talking about that second instance. I know he's going to live at the resurrection, which is at the last day. What did Job say? I know that at the last day, my Savior shall stand, right? And my Redeemer liveth. We know that. We know that. We know at the end there's going to be a resurrection. I imagine one of your articles of faith says, we believe in the resurrection of the just and the unjust. The just to eternal life, the unjust to eternal damnation. It says something like that, I would imagine your articles of faith do. And, and we believe that. That at the end, End of this world, end of this time, there's going to be a resurrection. It's going to be a general resurrection. That is, every single person who has ever lived is going to be raised up again. Every one of them. God knows where every one of them are. And no matter how they died, God is going to make it happen. Do you believe God has that power? Thank you very much. God has the power to make it happen. He raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus was raised from the dead. We believe that Jesus has that power. And at the end, that's going to happen. Martha says, I believe at the end that He will be raised. But Martha is thinking, but I want Him to be raised right now. Right? I want Him to be raised right now. Why do I know that? Because she said that even now, whatsoever you ask of God. She wanted it done right, right here and right now. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection, the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now Jesus is talking about a lot of beliefs there. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were, yet, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believeth thou this. I know that you are going to believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah at the end of this world. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that at that point, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and aren't you glad your heart shall every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is the Christ can you believe that today before the end of the world can you believe that today before then let me ask you something. Will you bow your knee today? Will you confess with your tongue today that Jesus is Lord? Yes. 
If you will do that today, you will live. Now, I'm not talking about regeneration. I'm not talking about how that you will become a child of God. That was set before the foundation of the world. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I want you, my friends, to have the abundant life of Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is to bow the knee today and to confess with the tongue today that Jesus is Lord. Boy, thank you, Lord. She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which had come into the world. And when she had said that, she went back and told Mary, Jesus wants you. Now, Jesus didn't say that, that he wanted her. Uh, but the, she goes back and tells him that, the, that he wants to speak with her. So Mary gets up, runs out of the house. And when they saw Mary, she arose up hastily and went out. And they followed her, saying, She goeth into the grave to weep there. But she wasn't going to the grave. She was going to Jesus. And that's a good lesson for us, too. That when we hear that Jesus wants us, don't stay at the grave. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. The grave has nothing for you. Jesus does. Mary came when Jesus was. She saw Him. She fell down at His feet. And she says the same thing that Martha did, blaming Jesus, Lord, if Thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Now she doesn't follow up with a message about, and I know if you ask of the Lord, he, he can. she doesn't follow up with that. But Jesus sees her weeping and He sees the Jews which followed after her thinking she was going to the grave. They're running after her and they're weeping also. And when, they, when He saw that, we read this about an emotion of, that Jesus has. An emotion that He has. He groaned in His spirit and was troubled. This is Jesus we're talking about. Jesus, when He sees them all weeping, He groans in His spirit, and He is troubled. So Jesus says, Where have you laid it? And they said unto Him, Lord, come and see. And we, then we read the shortest verse of the Bible, right? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It's not the only time he, has, he weeps in the Bible, but here we read Jesus wept. You know what I think, and this is what I think. This is not, there's nothing in Scripture that tells me this. This is just what I think. And I always try to make sure to let, let people know this is what I think, and this is not something that's strictly read in the Bible. I think that Jesus understanding all things, understanding what was about to happen, understanding where Lazarus was at that moment. I'm not talking about in the grave. I'm talking about not where his body was, where Lazarus was at that moment. Jesus wept. Well, Jesus was weeping at their lack of understanding. And Jesus was weeping also that Lazarus was about to come back from that eternal place in glory and re-inhabit this body. How do I know Lazarus was there? The Scripture says that as soon, the moment we stop living here, we start living there. That the, whole, that the uh, Spirit returns unto God who gave it. Immediately. Immediately. Lazarus is already there. He's not in a holding pen. Right? But he's already there. And the Jews said, Behold how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man, which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? Will y'all let me go past 12? I just can't leave us right here. I mean, I just can't. If, I, I know that your lunch is going to taste awful good, but it'll taste even better in a few more minutes. Jesus therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, and the grave was a cave they had hewn out of stone. They'd cut this grave out of stone. So what they would do, they'd cut this, this, uh, this cave out of stone, and, and then they would roll a rock in front of it, and that was the tomb, right? 
Same kind of thing that Jesus was going to, to be laid in himself uh, in, in uh, a, a couple of years or so. And Jesus uh, said, take ye away the stone. Now Martha comes back in. Martha's the practical one. Martha's the one who is making people accountable. Martha's the one who checks off the list. Martha's the one who is uh, uh, the, uh, the thinker. And she said, now wait a minute. I know what I said earlier, that now, even now, the Lord will do what you want of Him. And if you're just asking, and yeah, I want Him to raise up, but let's think about this for a minute. Because He's been dead four days. And by now, it's not going to smell good in there. And I know that we have put spices all over. Now, you understand how they, what you've, I think everybody here, even these young ones, uh, uh, you understand what a mummy is. Now, I'm not talking about a mommy. I'm talking about a mummy, right? Uh, One of those things that you've been wrapped around with cloth and wrapped around. And you know, they do them like this, right? They are like this. And they're wrapped up real tight, and it's worse than a straitjacket. Don't ask me how I know, but just trust me on that. And and that's that's Lazarus. He is wrapped up, bound up tight. And what they would do is they would put spices in between each layer. As they would wrap them up, they would put spices between each layer. And but even that, I, I, you know, ladies, there ain't no perfume, man. There ain't, there, ain't, there ain't no cologne that can keep you smelling good forever. And Martha says, now wait a minute, four days, he's been dead, he's going to stink. Now, Jesus is much better than I am. Y'all can amen that because I know it's true. And, and if I didn't, Lori would tell me. But that's my wife, by the way. Lori would tell me. And I mean, she's often told me, you ain't no Jesus. I said, but my name Michael. It means one like God. Right? And she said, not the God of heaven. But at any rate, where was I going with that? I have no idea. But it, okay. Here he is. He stinks. And, and uh, if I'd have... It, it, Jesus didn't do this, but you know me, I would have said, well, now Martha, I thought you wanted him to rise again. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus said unto her, said, not I, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe... Now listen, this is going to be important. Remember that verse I told you about? The very first thing Jesus said in, in this chapter? Shall we go back and revisit it? Because I know I've been blabbering on quite a while now. Jesus said, remember the first thing He said? This sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. We're about to come full circle back with that thought. Jesus says to Martha, Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Jesus said, This sickness is not unto death. It's not for the purpose of glorifying death. It's not for the purpose of promoting death. It's not for the purpose of of giving death any credit whatsoever. But this whole instance, this whole thing, is for the purpose of glorifying God. And if you will believe, you will see the glory of God in everything in life. If you will believe, you will see the glory of God in the worst things that could happen. It may be a stub toe. You know, I believe that the little toe, the reason God gave it to us is so so we would be able to find furniture in the middle of the night. If you believe... When you are in a dark hour, you can see the glory of God if you'll just believe. When you are facing a hard situation, if you will only believe, 
you can see the glory of God. When you are facing disease, whether it be cancer or COVID or whatever it may be, if you will only believe, you can see the glory of God. When you are facing death itself, if only you will believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you believe? Do you believe? Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. And they took away the stone from where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted his eyes and in talking to his heavenly Father, he prays out loud, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. He's already prayed. He's already been talking to God. He's already had that conversation with his heavenly Father. And God has heard him, and he knows that God has heard him. That reminds me, Brother Steve, of that story we, we rejoiced in yesterday. You know, Brother Polk, old Brother Polk, those of you who knew him as such a wonderful man, you know, and he, he one time was talking about something. He says, I knowed it, and he knowed I knowed it, and he knew I knowed I knowed it, or well, something like that. <laughs> Let me tell you. Jesus knew that God had heard him. And God knew that Jesus knew that He had heard him. And they had had this communication. They had had this conversation. And it was going to be okay. And Jesus says, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I'm saying this, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. What is the purpose? It is to glorify God and it is to glorify the Son of God. And Jesus is saying, let me say this out loud. I have prayed to God. He has heard me. And what you're about to see is proof that God has sent me and I am the Christ. Amen. You're about to see something that's amazing. And after he had spoken this, he said, Lazarus, Lazarus, he spoke to Lazarus individually, did he not? This was not a general invitation. This was not a, hey, everybody who's in the graves, if you want to come up, come on up. If you want to rise up, rise up. No, that wasn't, it wasn't a general invitation. This invitation... In fact, I'm going to change the word, this commandment from Jesus Christ was meant for Lazarus and Lazarus only. And let me tell you, when Jesus, has, when Jesus called out to you, He didn't say, hey y'all. No, not at all. He said, Chad, right? He said, Chad, he said, Grace, he said your name, because God knows who you are. Amen. You're not a, face, uh, a faceless person uh, without a name in some big crowd. You are the person that God knows and that God has spoken to individually, specifically to you. Lazarus, he says, come forth. Come forth. And Lazarus did. Now remember how I said that they wrapped him up? Like a mummy? And if you remember, they wrapped their legs together, not individually. They wrapped them together. I don't know if Lazarus came hopping or came floating, or came rolling. I don't know how he got out of there, but this is I do know. He came. He got out. They didn't have to come carry him out of the grave. He came out. Why did he come out? Because Jesus said, come forth. Jesus didn't say, hey Lazarus, what do you think? You want to come on out or not? You know, Lazarus said, well, let's talk about this a little bit. What's in it for me? 
<laughs> Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, come forth. And you know, Lazarus came forth. It happened. And that's what God has done for each and every child of God. He has said, come forth and you've come forth now. Poor old Lazarus is still wrapped up in dead man's clothing. He's still wrapped up in dead man's clothing. And so Jesus, thank you. Uh, he did, did Jesus say, hey, Lazarus, take those off? He didn't. We all need a little help from our friends. We all need a little help. And sometimes, we know we're more bound to put on dead men's clothing than we are to take it off. Jesus turned to His friends and He said, Loose Him and let Him go. And let me tell you that you know what a friend we have in Jesus. Do you know the purpose of this gospel right here? The purpose of this good news right here is not to save your soul eternally. Been coming up, uh, coming up here now on 30 years, right? And after 30 years, I have not made one child of God out of anybody here. And yet I keep coming back, not because I expect to, because that's not anything I can do. But I keep coming back to remind you of the good news that it's already happened. That you are already children of God. And if you are a child of God, how about living like one? Let's use this gospel, this gospel applied to your hearts by the Holy Spirit of God will take off your dead man's clothes and replace them with something that glorifies God. And Jesus Himself was glorified in this instance. Jesus Himself was glorified. They knew that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He was sent from God Himself. They knew that they were in the presence of Almighty God. Do you know that? You are in the presence of Almighty God. Now I'm not talking about your neighbor and I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about God is with you today. Do you still believe? Will you bow your knee? Will you confess with your tongue that Jesus is the Christ? It won't make you a child of God, but it'll help you act like one. May God bless you. I've enjoyed this. Well, I didn't do too bad on that time. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, always believe in God. May the Lord bless you. Brother Steve.